Welcome to Ms. Interpreted, her podcast of public relations and strategic communications, demystified by Kelly Fletcher and Fletcher Marketing PR. Travelers in Tennessee actually spend about $66 million per day. So definitely think that tourism is crucial to our economy. And, you know, with some of these programs that we have, it just inspires people to visit and and experience the state. Welcome listeners to the Misinterpreted Podcast. I am Allison Lester, Director of Media Relations for Fletcher Marketing PR, and I'm in for our CEO, Kelly Fletcher, today. I'm excited we have some guests to talk about the state of tourism in Tennessee. We are here with Jill Kilgore and Sarah Beth Urban. Jill has been with the Tennessee Department of Tourist Development for the past five years as the Public Relations Media Manager and has been doing an excellent job. She's a graduate of Southern Illinois University. The Tennessee Department of Tourist Development is the go-to for all things vacation-related in Tennessee, so it's a, a big and fun job. Sarah Beth is the CEO and President of Hospitality Tennessee. Her experience includes Executive Director of the Tennessee Whiskey Trail, and before that, she was also a part of the Tennessee Department of Tourist Development as the Middle Tennessee Division Manager. Hospitality Tennessee represents the interests of Tennessee's lodging, dining, and tourism establishments and related businesses involved in hospitality and tourism industry that is a booming industry here in the volunteer state. Thank you, ladies, so much for joining us today. Thanks for having us. Excited to be here. So, Jill, we'll start with you. Um, You attended Southern Illinois University, which is um, not close to Tennessee. So what about Tennessee and the tourism industry brought you here? Well, thank you so much for having me. I will tell you that I, I did grow up in Southern Illinois University, went to Carbondale, and I majored in mass communications radio television. So before I joined Tennessee Tourism, I was a television news reporter and producer. I moved to New Orleans. Work took me there. I was a TV producer in New Orleans. And I've always loved Nashville. I've loved Tennessee. Wanted to be close to my family, but not too close. I moved to Nashville, loved the city and fell in love with it and left the television news business and was just passionate about the tourism industry. So I joined the department in 2016. Very cool. I was a news producer myself for years, climbed the ranks and was in management and then was done with TV because that's a that's a hard job, which I'm sure you understand. Oh, absolutely. With some very strange hours, for sure. Yes. It'll be nice to, you know, not have to be in the newsroom for holidays and all of that. <laughs> And Sarah Beth, could you also share with us what got you into the hospitality and tourism industry? Absolutely. I'm one of those people, I feel like the story of you never know where you're going to end up. My master's degree from MTSU is in public history with an emphasis in museum management. I get the question a lot. How did you end up in hospitality? Well, I started working at a historic house museum straight out of my grad program. And from there, just kind of, you know, a museum is a natural, you know, tourism entity. So I got invested in the tourism industry, and then I got a chance to work for the state office um, and jumped at it just because I saw so much potential in this industry in Tennessee. And so I worked with Tennessee Tourism. And then, um, as you mentioned before this, I was with the Tennessee Distillers Guild. And that yes, that job is as fun as it sounds, but uh, super excited to be over here at Hospitality Tennessee, just kind of re-immersed in this industry that I have grown to love so much and has so much potential here in this state. 
And that's a pretty cool path to where you are now. So Jill, recently you attended a tourism conference in Paris on behalf of Tennessee Tourism. So tell us about that. How was that trip? Well, it was it was absolutely fabulous. I fell in love with Paris. We have grown in our international footprint when it comes to our international PR efforts. So I lead our international PR strategy and Paris is actually one of the sales and media missions I attended this year on behalf of Tennessee Tourism. We meet with international journalists and pitch stories to encourage them to come visit Tennessee and write about their experience. We actually went to the UK and Ireland back in May and that resulted in a an amazing piece from a writer who came to visit Tennessee and she did a 12-page feature in Nat Geo Traveler for the UK. We also did a media mission back in August in Canada and then we went to France October. We have several international media missions coming up. So within our department we have representation in several countries, UK, Ireland, as I mentioned. We have a group of journalists actually coming in this week. I'll be taking them all across the state right next week. We also have a group of journalists coming from Germany. So we're always working. Tennessee is one of the fastest growing, pre-pandemic, it was one of the fastest growing states for international travel. So those visits and those missions are really just to increase awareness and continue to grow Tennessee as a top international travel destination. Well, I think that that might surprise some people. That's really cool. Do you find that most of those international travelers are coming to the major cities like Nashville and Memphis, or are they kind of also venturing into the Smokies or, you know, is there a specific draw that you're seeing? It also depends on the country where the representation is, to be honest. Um, We've had some journalists from the UK. We've been in that market for several years. So some of the journalists we've met with, they've been to Memphis, they've been to Nashville. So they want to explore, you know, outside of the major cities. They're, you know, they're familiar with the Great Smoky Mountains, but they also want to visit kind of small towns. That Nat Geo piece I mentioned specifically earlier, she had been to Memphis, she'd been to Nashville. So we sent her out to East Tennessee and she did a story about Appalachian culture in the Smokies, but also visited Clinton, Tennessee. She's working on some like handcrafted stories too. So it depends on the country. Most people are familiar with Memphis, Nashville, and the Smokies. So our goal is always to mix in a good mix of cities and small towns and to just to discover Tennessee's music, to discover the history and culture, obviously the culinary scene. So familiarizing the journalists with Tennessee. A lot of problems that we face, I think the biggest learning curve for us is a lot of journalists, both domestically and internationally, don't realize how large Tennessee is. <laughs> so yeah. when they say, oh, we can pop over to Memphis from Nashville, you know, they don't realize it's a it's a three and a half hour drive. So just familiarizing the journalists and building on those relationships. Very cool. Well, there's a lot happening in the tourism industry now, and you ladies see much of the same sides of the industry, but your organizations focus kind of on different aspects at the same time. So, Sarah Beth, Hospitality Tennessee focuses on Tennessee businesses in the tourism industry and really helping to assist them in their functions within the industry. So, what does that look like for businesses that are part of Hospitality Tennessee? Hospitality Tennessee is the trade association for the hospitality and tourism industry. So we represent lodging, dining, tourism attractions, you name it, 
anyone involved in the industry can be a member of our association. And what we find is the the number one reason that people join our association is for the advocacy arm that we have, which is, you know, the lobbyists that work on the state legislature, our abilities to come in and provide information to local elected officials and give them updates on what's going on in our industry and how they can help those businesses and their communities. And then we also pull in resources from the National Associations for Restaurants, Lodging, and Tourism and help make sure people know what's going on on a federal level. So that's usually kind of the number one reason people join. Following that, closely behind is the networking piece, being able to know what's going on across the state, knowing that you're not in this alone, that there are other businesses doing what you're doing and maybe have been there before if you're new to the industry and can kind of provide some leadership and some examples for you to follow. So in a nutshell, those are kind of the reasons people get involved and how we can help them grow their business. We partner with a lot of, you know, industry businesses that offer discounts and savings programs. So for instance, a restaurant that has to, you know, they have to get a license for all of their servers and those servers have to go through training in order to qualify for those licenses. We offer discounts on those trainings so that it's not as expensive for those restaurants to put employees through those processes and be able to get their licenses faster. So my motto for this position is how can we help you? At the end of the day, my job is to try to make those businesses successful so that Tennessee tourism is successful. So you just mentioned, you know, several of the the main reasons that businesses choose to become members. Are there any other benefits to membership that you want to make sure people are aware of? Absolutely. We also do a lot of education. Obviously, we put on our annual Governor's Conference on Hospitality and Tourism, which is kind of our annual education platform for us to get all of the industry together and and share knowledge and information. But we also, you know, we're doing um, a lot of workforce development initiatives right now. We just launched our job board. Businesses looking for employees can, can get their jobs out there, but also those looking to be in the industry can find positions available across the state. We do a lot of stuff throughout the year, whether that's networking events, whether it's, you know, we do a free legal symposium where our members can come in and ask advice from lawyers and hear what's going on from everything from cybersecurity to union laws. It's just, you know, we try to respond to the needs of our members as best we can and and provide those services however we can. So Hospitality Tennessee founded the first industry-wide forum exclusively for female hospitality professionals in the state. What has that been like? How has it impacted women in the industry? And do you feel that you guys have seen an increase in women in the hospitality industry now? You know, it's funny. I've always thought the hospitality industry is a very female-friendly or female-empowered industry, however you want to put it. I feel like every time I go to a conference or a workshop or anything, I feel like it's like 80-20 or something like that when I look at the industry. I just, what I would love to see is more of those women moving into the C-suite roles, you know, those those upper tier management roles where they can bring a lot of that expertise because so many of them started at the ground level and have worked their way up. I hope that our women's group has helped with some of that, allowing women to hear the stories of those that have come before them um, and know the challenges and the frustrations that they've met with, but also the successes that they've had. I hope that we can continue that. You know, I think the pandemic, unfortunately, did a little bit of damage to just our ability to engage with our members and really pull those networking events together specifically for either women or young professionals, whatever the group is. So that's kind of one of my initiatives in joining Hospitality Tennessee because 
only been here about six months now, is to bring that women's group back and find ways that we can engage with them more so we can help them understand, you know, the importance of this industry and also how far they can go in it. And there's such an upward trajectory in the hospitality industry. And I think making that clear for women would be really helpful. I think we see the same kind of issues in in the PR world that there's a lot of women in this industry, but fewer and fewer at the C-suite level and something that our CEO, Kelly, is obviously very passionate about changing and um, encouraging women like you're discussing uh, to, to really see the path forward and upward. So you also work with the National Restaurant Association Educational Foundation on their Pro Start program that offers high school students the opportunity to learn about the food industry and provides work experience and connects them with industry professionals. So how have you seen this impact not only the, the kids that go through the program, but also the tourism and food industries? I love this program so much. The Pro Start program is one of my favorite things that we do just because i firmly believe in investing in the next generation of workers and leaders. I myself, I teach at the MTSU Tourism and Hospitality Management Program as an adjunct. So I'm all about trying to find the best way to give that information to the next generation. So yes, it's a program that's taught in the high schools. There's a curriculum for it. They learn everything from knife skills to plating, soft skills as well. So, you know, how to communicate with your customers or in their instances, sometimes it's their judges because they participate in a statewide competition at the, I guess their competition will be in February of 2023 for this school year. And these high school students will come together and compete against each other for prizes. And the winning teams will go on to the national competition in DC. And last Last year, actually, one of our teams placed third. They're an impressive group of kids. You go to these things and see the food that they put together, the things that they're able to create. And honestly, I'm a little jealous because I don't have that ability. I definitely don't have their knife skills either. (laughs) (laughs) It's like one of those real life cooking shows right here in, in our own state with kids. That's really incredible. Very much so. Very much so. It's it's very impressive what they're able to do. And then you've got these students who are ready to they could potentially go straight into the workforce if they wanted to, or they're primed to go into a culinary program at a university and continue learning and continue using their skills. These students are amazing. They come from all walks of life. And we also do a scholarship program to help some of them continue their education in college. So yeah, it's probably one of my favorite programs that we do here. Yeah, that's cool. And you guys were talking earlier about, Jill, you were talking about exposing international tourists to our culinary scene, um, which... I think some people are surprised is so impressive. So this is just, you know, another great way to continue that tradition of great food across our state and bring up some a new generation of people to continue to help us make our midsections wider for a good reason. Yeah, I know. I, I didn't eat lunch and now I'm getting hungry. So... <laughs> So, um, Jill, your department seems to focus a little more on the event aspect of tourism, and you guys have highlighted some really great events. One of the things about Tennessee that people love and that I very much love is the diverse music scene. We have some of the best music in the world that has come out of Tennessee. And I always talk about kind of the three grand divisions and how there's blues on one side of the state, bluegrass on the other, and pop rock and country in the middle. You guys hosted an event last month called Tennessee Music Pathways. So talk a little bit about that event and and the impact and any possible extension of that in the future. 
And music is definitely a draw to Tennessee. It's one of the pillars that we focus on, especially when talking from the PR side and then within all aspects of our department. So the Tennessee Music Pathways actually launched in 2018, recognizing our state's you know significant musical story and the ability to be able to drive travelers to experience those destinations year-round. We've identified more than 500 locations for Tennessee Music Pathway markers, which is the event that you're referring to. We are putting up markers and putting those up. I think we had five or six in October alone. (laughs) So we have a lot of markers going up all across the state, which is great. And those consist of, they can be birthplaces of, you know, icons, they can be resting places, hometowns, high schools, churches, recordings or performances of some of those pioneers and legends who've influenced and shaped Tennessee music. You know, most people know, obviously, like you said, Elvis Presley in Memphis, and then you have the rhyme in Nashville, put up a Dolly Parton marker earlier this year. She's, you know, she's from Sevierville and kind of those East Tennessee roots. But, you know, there are deeper stories to be told all across the state, not just in the major cities. So this program, it stretches across all 95 counties and it tells the stories of seven genres of music that call Tennessee home. You know, people are familiar with blues and country. We have bluegrass, gospel, soul, rockabilly, rock and roll. Um, We're seeing some more hip hop artists come out too. So we're really excited for this program. And the cool thing about our website, it's if you go to tnmusicpathways.com, you can curate your own path based on your musical interests. So if you're going on a multi-generational trip or if you want to know all about country music and things like that. Ken Burns put out a documentary a couple years ago about country music and 80 to 90% of the locations featured in that documentary were in Tennessee. And there's a Ken Burns country music passport you can download on our website too, or you can, you can get it online if you don't want to carry around the passport. I myself like to stamp. I like the stamps and things like that, but you can, you can get it and you can kind of visit those places where legends walked. We are recording this podcast just a couple hundred feet from the Everly Brothers Park here in Knoxville. So, yeah, it's not just Dolly and Elvis. There are music history all across the state. Knoxville also has a really fantastic Cradle of Country music walking tour, too. That's that's pretty cool to check out. You know, I haven't done that. I'm going to have to try that. Uh, well, and similar to the popularity of music and tourism, Sarah, you we mentioned this earlier, but you used to work at, in a very popular topic for tourism, and that is whiskey. You worked with the, tell me again, you said that it was the Tennessee Distillers Guild? Yes. Yeah, The it's another trade association basically just for distilleries, but they work and promote the Tennessee Whiskey Trail. And the Tennessee Whiskey Trail partners with 30 different distilleries across the state, there, Beth, that's a pretty cool job. Can you tell us, you know, from your past experience, what that whiskey tourism industry looks like and how large a part whiskey tourism plays in the overall tourism industry here? Absolutely. Um, yeah, I'd say uh, whiskey tourism is a booming industry in this region of the United States in particular. Obviously, you have Kentucky just above us, which they've got their own trail, but Tennessee whiskey is very well known. In fact, when I worked with Tennessee Tourism, we used to joke that there's three first names that you can say anywhere in the world and people will know exactly what place you're talking about. And that's Elvis, Dolly, and Jack. Um, (laughs) And so working for the Tennessee Whiskey Trail and helping promote that, obviously Jack Daniels is on there, but there's, you know, everything from 
small boutique distilleries that are really experimenting with their products to your moonshiners out in the East, like Old Smoky, to, you know, your more traditional Tennessee whiskey distilleries like Jack Daniels or for instance, like Nelson's brother here in Nashville or old Dominic in Memphis. There's just a huge boom going on in this industry right now. Bourbon has, has seen this huge comeback. Clear Spirits took the, the top part of the market for a very long time, but brown liquids are making their way back and we're excited to see it. Fortunately too, most of our distilleries make a little bit of everything. You know, it takes a while to make Tennessee whiskey. It's got to be aged a certain amount of time. It's got to go through the Lincoln County process before it can be called Tennessee whiskey. But um, a lot of our distilleries, they'll make gin or vodka, moonshine, you name it. They're experimenting with different types. And it's a, it was a, it was a very fun industry to be a part of because in particular, Tennessee's is so young. Before about 2010, only three counties in the state of Tennessee were actually allowed to have distilleries. That law was changed in 2010. So when you look at our state and then close to probably 100 distilleries that we have now, 90 something percent of those opened post 2010. So we're an industry in its infancy where you can still go to some of these places and meet the founders. You know, I kind of love that the difference between Kentucky and Tennessee is when you go to Kentucky, you're going to hear the the myths and the legends about how brands got started. But in Tennessee, we're still creating those myths and legends. <laughs> so it's it's a fun industry to be in. I, I was sad to leave them, although I still get to work with them just in a different capacity in this role. That's awesome. Just earlier this week, I was entertaining some out-of-state guests for work, and we went to company distilling in Townsend with the former Jack Daniels distiller, Jeff Arnett. And like you were saying, you can walk in and the distiller might actually be there on the day that you go. You're not going to find that in Louisville. It's a small and tight-knit community here in Tennessee. They really, they support each other. Felt like a family, to be honest. They're just a really good group and it's exciting to see their success. So something interesting our listeners might not know is that tourism is a really large industry and revenue source for the state. The Tennessee Tourism Development highlighted in 2021 numbers the consistent growth of the industry, and and it really impacts the economy in a big way. So, Jill, you know, I'm interested, do you see the industry getting even bigger as time moves on? Absolutely. I mean, Tennessee truly is, you know, crushing it. We have 24 billion, or we received a record last year, um, 24 billion in domestic travel spending, which out, actually outpaced the national recovery. What a lot of people don't know, and what I didn't know when I first started within the department, is that tourism is the state's number two industry after agriculture. Travelers in Tennessee actually spend about $66 million per day day. So definitely think that tourism is crucial to our economy. And, you know, with some of these programs that we have, it just inspires people to visit and and experience the state. It's, you know, we have those, the three regions, West, Middle, and East, they're all very different, but Tennessee truly has just unmatched scenic beauty, diversity in cities and towns. Our attractions are world-class, like the National Civil Rights Museum in Memphis. You have the National Museum of African-American Music in Nashville. And then, you know, obviously the Smokies, which is the number one most visited national park. So we couldn't do that without Hospitality TN and our partners in all 95 counties across the state who just 
are incredibly passionate about bringing travelers to Tennessee. I just want to repeat that number, $24 billion in travel spending in 2021. And that was in a pandemic year, essentially. So that is really incredible. And speaking of the consistent growth in the tourism industry, you just said it yourself, Tennessee has such beautiful scenery. You know, we have the Smokies and beautiful colors, but but also the unmatched beauty of our lakes and our river system. And in an effort to make our lakes even better, the Tennessee Wildlife Resource Agency and the state are dedicating $15 million to improve 18 lakes across the state. Once the improvements are done, they'll be called Bill Dance Signature Lakes after one of our own fishing legends, fishing being a pretty huge industry in the state. So can you both talk a bit about this this Bill Dance Signature Lakes effort and how you think it could impact the tourism industry? I will say that our Governor's Conference in Tourism and Hospitality, I think that some of the people who attended um, our partners from across the state were just as excited to see the governor as they were to see Fisherman Bell dance there. <laughs> Everybody like <laughs> stopped to take pictures with him. I mean, he had his own photo line. It was wonderful. But having such an a fishing icon and his legacy be tied to this program, I mean, our lakes are incredibly beautiful. You know, Tennessee may not necessarily be known around the country or around the world, even for the Tennessee lakes. So this program being able to touch so many counties, especially in counties that are at risk or economically distressed counties, this is a huge step because it helps those communities create new revenue streams through increased visitation. So fishing actually in Tennessee generates about $1.2 billion in economic impact each year. And that can support up to 7,500 jobs all across the state. So, you know, these improvements or developments that are being made, you know, at these lakes to help increase accessibility and then just to draw people to those counties, to draw people to the state parks and the lakes, it truly is going to be significant and people want to be in the outdoors, right? They want to relax. They want to, they want to fish on the lakes and just experience everything. So we're, we're really excited about the program and having Bill Dance tied to those. Well, the tourism industry, you know, booming right now, as we've really covered here, I'm interested to hear from both of you on any trends that you're seeing in tourism lately that you're expecting to, to grow. I do see, a, we are seeing a lot of trends, both domestically and internationally. I think some that kind of coincide with both of each other is that we are seeing a lot of pent-up demand for travel. I've heard it called revenge travel because people were tied up for so long that they want, they've been saving money and they want to experience parts of the state. So I would definitely say that experiential travel too, being able to go to a place and experience something that is unique and local to that particular area, whether that's like a hands-on crafts making class in the Smokies or, you know, like in middle Tennessee, north of Nashville, there's a community called Historic Granville. They have a broom maker there. They also have crafting classes there too. So I think experiential travel, going to learn how to make whiskey or make cocktails at distilleries and things like that. So experiential travel for sure. As part of that 
revenge travel or saving up money, we are seeing a lot of multi-generational travel being very popular, you know, traveling with different members of your family. Sustainable travel is always a key focus for us. So sustainability, how is your, you know, reducing your footprint on your trip and making sure that it's environmentally friendly. Of course, agritourism is also a trend we're seeing as well. So those are just a few. Sarah Beth, you can feel free to jump in as well, but those are some trends we're seeing from our side. Yeah, I think from our end, just continuing to see the growth across, you know, it's one of those things, the question I get a lot is, will the hotel building ever stop? You know, will it ever slow down? Because there's so much going on, but that's the thing is we're just continuing to see that amazing growth. I just got the report from the National Restaurant Association that pulled up the number of restaurants at the end of 2021. So fourth quarter of 2021, there were over 13,000 restaurants in the state of Tennessee. And I think that just speaks to, you know, the volume of people who see this state as a place they want to live and also as a place they want to open their business and offer things to our visitors. So I challenge anyone to try out those 13,000 restaurants across Tennessee. I was just doing some research on tourism and the destination analyst puts out a, a monthly report and, you know, they're saying revenge travels look a great term for it. I hadn't heard that one yet, but, you know, with inflation and, and economic concerns and everything, Americans are tightening their purse strings, but they're doing it in other areas. They're, you know, they're buying fewer things. They're going to buy fewer sweaters and candles to put under the Christmas tree this year. And instead, they're going to spend their money on experiences and travel. And they're so sick of being cooped up over the past couple of years that it's it's like, I'm, I'm still going to spend my money to go out and experience the world because I just need it. It's, it's good to see. Well, Jill, there's been several aspects of tourism that look like they're becoming more and more popular. Tennessee Department of Tourist Development has highlighted like glamping. Are there any other activities that you see becoming bigger and more popular in the next year or two? That's a great question. I will say that there are a lot of people because they're so brave (laughs) now, um, they are wanting to stay in some of those unique places. I think some of those bucket list experiences for sure will draw people. But yeah, definitely unique stays for sure. So you both know so much about all of the wonderful things that we have going on here. We've talked a good bit about food and whiskey and the outdoors and the music. So for both of you, what would be your biggest recommendation to any listeners who are, might be considering coming to the volunteer state? Um, if you could pick just one thing to recommend. I would tell them to drive on the back roads. I would say get off the interstate whenever you can and drive the back roads. Some of the best experiences I've had, the best places I've stumbled upon The best people I have met have been because I was on a back road in Tennessee somewhere. That's great advice. I would definitely echo that advice. You know, we we call them familiarization tours when we bring journalists through Tennessee, whether that be journalists within the U.S. or, you know, coming from North Carolina. But most of what they're experiencing in Tennessee is on a road trip, right? So if you want to come to Memphis, that's awesome. Like definitely come to Memphis, visit Graceland Sun Studio, the Civil Rights Museum, all those iconic places in Memphis. Drive out outside of Memphis. There are some beautiful small towns like in West Tennessee. Just just drive through. Talk to the locals too. 
go to, you know, find those places that are locally recommended, go to the local restaurants, experience as much as you can about those smaller towns and destinations and talk to locals because the stories are what makes Tennessee so wonderful. Within our actual website, we have um, 16, they're called Discover Tennessee Trails and Byways. And you can go out on any of those routes and look and and discover like different local restaurants or local bakeries, museums, anything like that. So get off the road and and spend some time and find things yourself because those are the stories you'll remember that you'll want to tell. Yeah, get off the beaten path. Experience a little slice of Americana. That's great. Well, thank you ladies so much for joining us today. And if you all want to learn more about these two wonderful organizations that are helping with tourism in Tennessee, you can follow Jill on Twitter at Jill R. Kilgore and follow the Tennessee Department of Tourism Development on LinkedIn. You can follow Hospitality Tennessee on Twitter at TNHTA and on Instagram at HospitalityTN, and Sarah Beth Urban is on LinkedIn. And if you have any questions for myself or Kelly about tourism, we can answer some high-level questions for you. Just use the hashtag misinterpreted. That's MSinterpreted on Twitter. And don't forget to follow Fletcher Marketing PR on social. We're on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. Our Twitter handle is at Fletcher PR. You can also follow our CEO, Kelly, at KD Fletcher on Twitter. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us on Misinterpreted, Public Relations Demystified. You can keep up with the latest on the podcast at FletcherMarketingPR.com and on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll see you next time.